Welcome to the Gifted Life Podcast, where we have conversations about organ, tissue, and eye donation and transplantation. You can always find us at thegiftedlife.org. I'm Lori Steele. I'm Joey Boudreaux. I'm Sarah Blakemore. Coming up on the show today. Yeah, Lori, they are back. They rode bicycles across country to promote donation, and now they're here to tell us about it all. Love it. And we're going to talk about how if you're pessimistic, you could have less motivation. Ooh, all that and more right here, guys, thegiftedlife.org. Stay tuned. Right, guys? Yeah. We have big smiles on our faces. You guys brought so much joy to the podcast last time you were on, episode 160, if you guys want to check it out. But Hugh Smith, hey, man. How you doing, darling? Good. Now, last time we chatted, you were waiting on a kidney. Has your status changed? Uh, Yes, it has. It's (laughs) changed dramatically. I got my new kidney, and... uh, Life is grand. Yay. Life is grand. I know you were out playing at a golf tournament and um, just oh, spreading yes. joy wherever you go. So we're so excited. Also on the line, we have Mark and Lynn Scotch. How are you guys? We're great. Really good. Yeah. So this couple, um, if you guys remember, we were talking about just good humans that are out mm-hmm. there. Found out Hugh needed a kidney uh, and he started on a, a search. He started researching and he stuck to his word, which is pretty awesome. Uh, he got on what's called the voucher list and um, he donated a kidney to a complete stranger. So, Mark, how are you feeling? I've been great. Um, it's like nothing happened, to be honest with you. I really don't even think about it. I love it. And so uh, last time we chatted, there was a bike ride that was coming up because you guys wanted to talk about the voucher program, let folks know about it, and then just let folks know about donation in general. Um, but it was a big undertaking. I know Mark and Lynn, you guys were on the road for, what, a month? You had some amazing friends who helped you. So kind of walk us through uh, the thinking to get on the road and then the journey itself, because you went from your home in Wisconsin and you came down to join us uh, with open arms. He was waiting for you uh, in Natchitoches, Louisiana. Yeah, well, I guess it really started with meeting Hugh and then um, Hugh was uh, registered at a um, transplant facility in Shreveport. And when I started talking to them originally about donating a kidney for Hugh, I realized I'd have to be going down to Shreveport a number of times. So in that thought, I decided to, I do a lot of bicycle riding, a lot of mountain biking specifically, but I also do a lot of uh, gravel riding and long distance riding. So long story short, I was thinking about doing a ride um, on one of our trips down to Shreveport following the Mississippi River. That turned into an awareness ride when Lynn and I learned so much about the dire and urgent need for living donors and deceased donors. But um, seeing as how I was a living donor, we wanted to try to spread the word as much as possible on this bike ride um, on the way down to uh, to meet Hugh. Um, as you said, I learned about the voucher program to the National Kidney Registry, and that allowed me to do everything up in Madison, Wisconsin, instead of having to go to Shreveport. And which was fantastic from my perspective. And Hugh was able to get a voucher from me and get a kidney on his timetable and his schedule, which is important. But I think one of the things that really stru- stuck out in my mind was the voucher program allowed for my kidney to go to the best fit 
at the time I was on the registry and for Hugh to find a kidney that was the best fit for him when he was ready. And I think that's very critical to um, the whole process to avoid kidney rejection. So we did the ride. Um, we, I actually rode 17 out of 22 days. Um, we had close to 35 different separate media events along the way, TV, newspaper, some radio. Um, we had a great time with it. We had fun. We had friends along the way that rode with me. Lynn, of course, as my support vehicle, was around all the time helping us out. We had friends from Wisconsin, from high school, actually, that helped us out by following along in their RV, and we used that primarily as our lodging. Um, so it was a real kind of a community event. And, of course, when we got down to Louisiana and got close to, close to you, Lori, you were a fantastic help in helping us down at uh, Natchitoches for the party at Cane River, emceeing the program, all that. I, we can't uh, thank you enough for that. My favorite, favorite shot, we had our Lopa crew who had to, to work together um, to capture it, but Hugh with his arms spread out, huge smile <laughs> on his face, and here comes Mark bicycling in with a smile as well, like, oh man, I'm, I'm at the end of this ride, but it brought me such joy, like I was smiling, my face was hurting, but I could feel that moment in that picture, and it was just amazing. Hugh, what was going through your mind? Just like I said in our interview, on USA Today at that moment, I knew that at this point it was real and that it had happened and it was going to be a forever deal. And I was so overjoyed. I was so glad to see Mark again, just simply because without him, you know, I, I, I would still be on dialysis, I'm sure, and still be waiting for a kidney. So. Like I said before, he was definitely my godsend. Hmm. And I have to say, Mark and Lynn, you, you guys are just a neat <laughs> couple because my husband and I on the road for like a month. <laughs> Joey, you, know, you can see this, right? Um, <laughs> but so kind and courteous to folks who would, um, you know, meet you guys along the way. There was a lot of planning that had to go into it because you would have stops like at hospitals to do media events. And then you had to accommodate all these other people that were coming that may have rode a little bit slower, uh, but wanted to be part of the journey. And you guys were so gracious to allow everyone to feel like they were a part of this history making event. So Lynn, give us a little bit about your thoughts on the ride. And then Mark, I kind of want you to go through and, and just give some shout outs to those folks who like really helped you along the way i think one of the most amazing things to me along the route was we ran into people everywhere we went literally who had some personal connection to needing a kidney having a family member or close friend that needed a kidney or had kidney disease or had had received a kidney or donated a kidney it, it was everything from the the young woman behind the counter in a shop to um, high school girls who were the um, the people when you come into a restaurant and they you know sign you up for a table and whatever to a Louisiana state trooper who had a bridge closed off the day before we got to Natchitoches and that was where I was going to be meeting uh, the two riders <clears throat> for the endpoint for that day. And so I needed to be sitting there for a little bit. So I walked up the road to where the, the trooper was in his vehicle 
uh, to let him know why I was going to be sitting there for a while instead of turning around and driving away like all the other mm-hmm. vehicles. And uh, and his sister needs a kidney. Oh. Um, so that was the most amazing part to me. Um, it's so, it's such a common factor for so many people. And yet it's like the whole thing is sort of underground. People, mm. people don't know what options are out there. People don't know the resources that are out there. Um, and for being as prevalent as it seems to be, the whole kidney uh, disease, kidney donation environment is like a greatly hidden secret. Mm-hmm. So, Lynn, this is actually for you and Mark or either of you guys. So, obviously, I wasn't there. I would have loved to have been there uh, to, to, to receive you guys at the end. You guys are spreading awareness, you know, throughout your journey down the Mississippi, like you mentioned. And and Mark had talked about the voucher uh, program and uh, and kind of what it was about. So can you guys tell us, you know, tell the listeners out there, you know, why did you guys have to go the route of the voucher program? And then a little bit more of an insight so that others can maybe, you know, if they if they're interested in donating, but they don't but they don't have a, that, that perfect match in mind how they can be part of that. Yes. Well, I, I was totally ignorant about the voucher system. I didn't know anything about, about it. The only option I thought that Hugh and I had was that I would get evaluated somehow, get tested. And we, I would be a match for him or I wouldn't be a match. And that's all I knew. And that's, I think what most of the population thinks. Um, The fact that he was a stranger might be interesting for people too, because you can donate to a stranger, not just a family member. So, for me, it was just, um, I was quite a ways into the process, actually, before I was told um, uh, by um, Ned Brooks, who was led, uh, was led to me by the National Kidney Registry, that um, I did not have to be a match to Hugh. Matter of fact, I didn't even have to be a close match. I didn't, my kidney didn't have to go to Hugh. It could go to the best match on the registry after my evaluation. Um, and it, it made so much sense to me, to be perfectly honest, because I I was having a hard time comprehending why am I driving through Madison, Wisconsin, which is one of the best graded transplant facilities in the United States, to go 1,500 miles to a place in Shreveport. I just didn't think in this day and age that was should be necessary. And I was right. I didn't know I was right, but that was confirmed by getting involved with, the, with NKR. So once I learned about the voucher program that you don't have to be a match. You don't even have to know the person. You don't have to live by them. You don't have to really, um, a lot of people are using the voucher program just for um, altruistic donations. They just want to donate a kidney and have nobody in mind. Um, They just want to do it for the good of mankind, so to speak. So the voucher program allowed me and allows everybody to um, a lot more flexibility and that means a lot if, for my sake, it was meaning going to uh, Madison versus going to Shreveport. But again, I want to stress that it also allows for the best match. And they're just in the last year, they've gotten much better at matching kidneys to a lower level um, in the human body. And they're talking about a, you know, a kidney for life now. And Hugh might have actually gotten that program where they can match up now so accurately. So I think it's it's fantastic if anybody wants to donate a kidney for any purpose, but anybody listening to this, take heed that 
don't get hung up on donating to a specific person at a specific time at a specific place that can all be um, uh, magnified through the voucher program where none of those things really are critical. Um, it makes it so much easier for the donor and the recipient in the long run because, again, it's the best match. So, Hugh, you are feeling the best you've ever felt? I feel better than I felt in 10 years. Aww. <laughs> and so you, you're out, you're playing golf, you're, you're living life? I am actually doing all of those things. I uh, Actually, I went and had a doctor's appointment yesterday. I got another great report. My, Yay! My, Yay! My level is at 1.4, which, as people know, the day that I went in for surgery, it was at 14. Mm. And, uh, you know, now all I have are these scars, but, you know, they're, they're gradually healing and everything. And, uh, you know, right now I, I couldn't ask for anything better and you know the one thing that I do want to throw in the fact that when I met Mark and Lynn they were two complete strangers but now not only are they dear friends of ours they are part of our family and always will be and they are the most amazing people that I've ever come in contact with they're absolutely awesome people, and I absolutely love them to death. Mark and Lynn, you feel the You're same. <laughs> yes, yes. He's a he's been a great a great person to find just as a friendship, let alone the connection with the, you know that we made. Uh, here on the podcast, guys, we say you know it just takes one person like that. just be a good human, show some kindness, um, and you guys ran across so many of those people in all of these communities as you bicycle down from Wisconsin to Louisiana. People who helped you in in some way, shape, or form, um, and we like it because here, like in this room, when we get texts from our friends like, "Hey, did you see this guy was bicycling?" <laughs> like he's he gave a kidney, and then this guy in Louisiana, and so we're like, really interesting. <laughs> but we love when you guys get people who don't normally talk about donation, don't work in the donation world. When they start talking about it, man, we know you are really mm -hmm. uh, making a difference, which was pretty cool. So uh, talk about some of those folks that you came across on your on your journey that you just have to, to give a shout-out to because of the help that they gave, the support. Well, one of the things I wanted to do on this ride was to open it up for anybody that wanted to join me for any reason. Um, and, you know, I guess my initial intent, uh, intent was to open it up for people that might be considering becoming donors. And, you know, in a roundabout way, um, give them an opportunity to talk to somebody that, that was a donor or is a donor and also demonstrating that you know, the whole purpose of the ride was to demonstrate that you could go back to your former lifestyle mm -hmm. after donation, even if that's, you know, riding bikes 17 days out of 22 for 1500 miles. And, you know, I had a lot of my friends, um, personal friends through the biking community that I've known for 10, 15, 20 years, join me on the ride um, just to help support me. I had a real good friend, Greg Hack. I always call him Hack. So, <laughs> but anyway. He rode with me for four days. Uh, a friend of mine from Minneapolis, Dave Promen, rode with me for four days. A guy that I just met through um, NKDO, uh, donor to donor. Uh, he flew out from New York. Never had been on a gravel bike before. 
bought a gravel bike, rode with us for three days, um, and then flew back to New York. He's also a living donor, um, but he just wanted to support the effort. Um, a friend of mine that had lived in Madison, Greg Bean, now lives in St. Louis. He rode with me for a couple of days out of St. Louis. Um, Randy Tornquist from Central Illinois that I've known for maybe 15 years um, through mountain biking. He joined me in, in Illinois, rode for three, four days down to Memphis. My brother Gary came out from Oregon, actually, flew out, uh, rode with me for the last five days um, from um, basically Memphis back into, uh, into Natchitoches. Um, yeah, and we just had friends join us along the route that, you know, were in the area that knew we were there, spent some time with us in the evening or whatever. So, yeah, it was really a, a multi-dimensional uh, ride in a lot of ways. Um, I was always kind of focused on the main thing. I wanted to make darn sure I was able to get to that parking lot to meet Hugh. And I was trying to be very focused with that, but also, yeah. you know, one of the big highlights was for us was to meet uh, the editor of the Gina newspaper, only what, 70 miles from the end of the ride. He reached out from a press uh, release that we put out for local media. His son is looking for a kidney. We met with them for dinner one night. And they invited us to their house for breakfast the next morning. We got to listen to their story um, and working with them to try to find his son a, a, a kidney right now, actually. Um, and that's one thing I changed for the next ride. We have another ride coming up um, in September. Um, and when we're ready to talk about that, I can, you know, talk about that too. But I just it just came together real nicely and we just kept it kind of spontaneous for that reason. I didn't want to have a real, obviously we had, we had a schedule uh, miles per day, but my great friend from childhood, Mark Bruner's uh, did all my press for me or most of it. He was and great. He was sending out press releases. Yeah. He did an unbelievable job. Um, all from his home, South of Cleveland. He did it all remote <laughs> yeah. contacting media. He was sending him, uh, he was sending out dozens of press releases every, every day. Yeah, that, um, that's how we kept track of you guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that and the Oregon Trail. We love the, the updates. Lynn, I assume that was mostly you. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but I loved, uh, you know, the personal touches, although I wasn't on the bike with you. I was there in, in spirit and in heart um, and, and just following you day for day. And, and, and you guys were getting closer and closer mm-hmm. and closer. And then such an incredible reunion in Natchitoches, which was amazing. And then, Hugh, we got to meet all of your friends because they threw a huge party at the brewery where it all began. Yes, that was uh, pretty amazing in itself. Uh, you know, it's just like I told Mark, you know, whenever we were standing out there, and we, he was, him and Lynn were putting up the banner and everything, and I looked at him and almost had a tear in my eye, and I said, you know, that it kind of brings back old memories, and it's hard to believe that 18 months ago, you and I met right here, and this is where it all began. And now here we are again, and it's going to continue. So it was an amazing deal. Um, you know, the I guess the big thing for me is the fact that, of course, I think I said this before, you know, nothing's ever been named after me as far as I know, but we actually now have a Kidney Awareness Day in Natchitoches on mm. May the 21st. It's named <laughs> for Mark and I, and, I, you know, the mayor gave us the proclamation and everything, and I thought that was absolutely amazing in itself and you know i'd I'd like to add to what mark said earlier 
Miss Lori, I don't believe that we could have done this without you, and we thank you so much for everything that you've done. And I just also want to let you know, the guys at my golf tournament, even though I played like crap that day, <laughs> they really loved the bracelets that you that you sent with me, and I gave them out to all the guys and explained to them what they were for and what they were about. And, you know, everybody – Whenever I showed up there, of course, that was my second tournament back on the amateur tour that I play on. And they were just so amazed that I was even back, yeah. you know, playing golf that quick. Right. But, uh, you know, August mm-hmm. the 18th, which is just a couple of weeks away, will be my six-month anniversary. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm actually here in Baton Rouge right now visiting with my brother and my sister-in-law and my niece and nephew, and uh, we're just enjoying life, and we're trying to hope that one of these days will cooperate with us, and we're going to get out on the golf course and yeah. we'll showcase our talent mm-hmm. and, and have a big time and stuff. <laughs> oh, such big personalities. The I was able to, to go to the huge party in Natchitoches, which was incredible, uh, and the one thing I kept thinking was, you know, Hugh um, received the gift of life, uh, you know, and from Mark, but it really impacts not only Hugh's family, but the whole community. And I don't know if you felt that, Mark and Lynn, when you were there, but you're like, oh, I'm just going to do this for this for this guy and help him out. Um, good good thing to do. But the impact, the ripple effect, as we say here at Lopa, uh, was incredible. Yes. I mean, I kind of got a feel for that early on when Hugh and I had met, of course, and then um, we were on the phone quite a bit those first few weeks. And then at one point in time, Hugh's mom got on the phone, Pam, and she was talking to me and, uh, it really, it, it took it to a whole, to a totally different level because I could just, as a parent, I could, you know, put myself in her place. If our, if our, if one of our sons was ever in need of a kidney like that. Um, so it put a totally different twist on it in a sense. So. Yeah, I, I, it's such a ripple effect. It's so It affects so many lives in so many ways that it's even hard to comprehend. Yeah, and Lynn, last time we spoke with you, you wanted to donate a kidney as well. Do you have an update for us? Um, I'm still um, on that journey. Mm-hmm. Um, my platelet level uh, had dropped between my full-day evaluation in October and my uh, scheduled surgery date in March. Um, which is uh, an after effect of COVID for some people. Uh, Generally, it comes back on its own. And so I'm having monthly blood draws to watch the platelet count. And when it gets up a bit higher than it has been, then um, I should be a go for uh, my donation surgery. Great. What a family. I know. Man. I I just have one, before we go, I have one more question for for Hugh. (laughs) You know, I know know that Mark had mentioned how how great he felt immediately. Basically, it it didn't hardly have any impact on him. I'm wondering, Hugh, are you... uh, are you getting lonesome for that ex-girlfriend you you, you were married to for uh, or ex-wife for so long? And uh, and and uh, and I assume if you're playing golf, you must be doing great, right? Honestly, uh, you know I can tell you. Uh, uh, ever since that I got my port out, I don't miss her at all. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the first two or three nights, I would catch myself. You know, I guess the way that I sleep. 
it was a possibility that I could, you know, roll over on my on my tube and stuff and kind of crimp the hose. And if that ever happened, of course, you know, my machine would start beeping at me mm-hmm. and tell me that something was crimped or, you know, she would say, uh, you know, you need to reposition yourself mm-hmm. or something. I mean, she she was pretty adamant at giving instructions <laughs> and stuff. So the first two or three nights, I can honestly remember um, – I would catch myself, you know, reaching down to readjust my tube. And, you know, at first mm-hmm. I couldn't find it. <laughs> and then I would realize that, well, it's not there anymore. She gone. And, uh, you know, she, yeah, yeah, she gone. <laughs> uh, I think one of the greatest days of my life is when I packed up that machine and took it back to Shreveport and turned it back in. And, of course, I got to see my nurses there, and they were all, you know, just ecstatic at uh, how well I looked and how I was acting and, you know, how I felt. And my they said my color had definitely changed. Um, You know, they they said there was just a, a different sense about me. And, honestly, I guess, you know, I didn't realize at the time how bad off I was because really and truly, I never felt, you know, sick or weak or whatnot. But yet, now that I've gotten this new kidney, I've got so much energy, I don't know what to do with myself. I just can't <laughs> be still. Of course, I was never one to be still anyway. But, you know, now it's always, I get up in the morning. I drink my coffee, and I, as soon as I take my medicine at 8 o'clock, I'm thinking, okay, what can I do today? What kind of you trouble know, where, can I get what, into? That's what it sounds like here. Believe <laughs> you me. Believe you me. Trouble is not hard for me to find at all. <laughs> and if I can't find it, well, it'll find me. Oh, I love it. And but, so, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh-huh. Go ahead. Uh, that's okay. Um, I'm, you know, I just was saying that, uh, you know, even though um, – everything has transpired and taken place um you know as far as being out on the golf course and stuff you know i actually thought the first couple of times that i went and played you know that the heat might affect me somewhat but you know uh so far everything is uh going well you know i mean i, I drink plenty of fluids and stuff and uh take care of myself and everything and so far, everything is great. Ah, I love it. And Mark and Lynn, I assume, after 30 days on the road together, you still like each other because you're going to do it again. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't more than 10 days or two weeks when I, we got back to Wisconsin after Louisiana. We were starting to put together uh, the Oregon Trail 2.0, which is originally, um, I was thinking about it pretty early in the process because my kidney went to New York. So I thought, well, when I get done with Louisiana, I like to ride bikes. So I'm always looking for some excuse as I'm going to ride to New York. (laughs) Well, that we're still going to do the ride, but we're going to do it backwards. We're going to be starting at Martha's Vineyard on September 19th and make our way back to um, Plover, Wisconsin, where I live. Um, It's going to be almost 1700 miles. So a little bit further than Louisiana. Um, so anybody that wants to follow along, we're going to do it a little bit differently. We're going to try and stay with people along the way. We couldn't do that to go to Louisiana because of COVID, but now with restrictions and with the vaccine being a little bit, uh, you know, more open, 
we're trying to stay with people in the transplant community that want to host Lynn and I instead of having a, an RV or use hotels. Um, another big difference is that I'm going to try and try to contacting people along the route that need a kidney and I'm going to have do one person, a, a new person every day that's going to be meeting with me when I meet with media and we're going to try and get that person's story out. Um, and so we're going to try and do that, but we're not, we're, we might end up in New York City or some large city where we have 20, 30 people there um, that all need a kidney and then we'll, we'll do a name out of the, you know, out of the hat kind of thing. So we're trying to do that to help the people specifically. Um, I know, I knew going to Louisiana that I was thinking about it, that this would be a great tool to, to get that story out, but also to just, again, show the public the what the need is, get the media more involved. And um, so that's going to be a pretty good twist to it. Um, and then when we get back to Wisconsin, we're going to have a little party again because it worked so well the first time. <laughs> on uh, October 30th, we're going to have a little uh, get-together in our little hometown in the middle of Wisconsin. Oh, I love it. I love it. Now, I follow you guys, well, when I'm not bothering you by text, <laughs> the Oregon Trail <laughs> Facebook. And so is that where uh, folks should go, or what do you guys recommend to kind of uh, keep up, support you guys, spread the word? Well, yes, the Oregon Trail Facebook page, um, and we're going to try and also – keep my um, website up every day as well. Um, we were pretty conscious the first ride to try to keep the message clear that it was not about the ride. And that's in a sense why we didn't do as many updates as we did, um, which was a mistake, I think. So this ride, we're gonna try and, you know, highlight the ride as well as, as the mission uh, equally. So the Oregon Trail Facebook page and the website is, we're gonna change the name of it, but it'll still go to the same site. It's just gonna be called theoregontrail.org. Okay. It's gonna be the new website address. So it's real simple. Um, theoregontrail.org will take us, will take anybody to the new, um, that new link will take them to the same website. Well, amazing. And thank you for planning yet another ride to spread donation. That just helps all of us um, across the country when it comes to helping to make life happen. Lynn, keep us up to date um, on your progress and how that goes. And Hugh, my man, keep living life. Yeah. Honey, believe you me, <laughs> um, with this new opportunity, I'm going to live it to the fullest. Uh-huh. And I think I have. I think I've already started. So. There's no sense in turning back now. Wow. <laughs> it's full steam ahead. <laughs> I love it. You guys are like part of the family. Please keep in touch, and we hope to have you back here on The Gifted Life. It's about that time, guys, taking a moment for mental health. Yep, negative Nancy here is going to be talking about <laughs> pessimism and motivation. Ooh. What you got for us, Sarah? <laughs> so I'm going to talk about the connection between pessimism and motivation. Um, so essentially there's some recent literature that I was reading up on about how people who tend to be a little bit more pessimistic in their views and the way they think have lower levels of motivation. 
Wow, yeah. I can see that. Yeah, I mean, it immediately, makes sense, right? I think of three or four people who are very pessimistic right. all the time. Mm-hmm. And, I, and it's, it's very, I can't say it. <laughs> <laughs> I would say I one would be that. you from your intro, but that's just me. <laughs> 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 I'm so, essentially, what they found was that um, people who have pessimistic thought tendencies, they tend to view the rewards as less important than how to get to any reward. So essentially, you and I could say it's like a hot day outside and we see a lemonade stand and it's a mile away. Our car doesn't work. We will weigh those risks and rewards, right? Okay, so it might be a long walk, but at the end I get this really great glass of lemonade. Mm -hmm. A pessimist will think, no, it's a long walk. I'm not doing it. Lemonade's probably not going to be that great anyways. It's probably going to be watered down, all that stuff. So so they won't take the walk. It's so funny because I can see it. I can hear those (laughs) conversations happen, Mm -hmm. you know, except we – We'd have like a bar at the end and a mm. beer. Well, maybe you know, that's a but better it's the same reward. Conversation. Like, oh, that beer's hot anyway. Oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and I think that's the point. Regardless of what the reward is, they a pessimist will tend to turn that reward as less than. So they try less hard than maybe an optimist or a realist would. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I guess really what I want to kind of say from this is, if you're if that's what you're doing, if you're looking at how it how to get somewhere, how to get to the next step. And what you end up doing is minimizing that step. You're never going to get there. You're going to take less risks. You're going, and risks aren't a bad thing. They're a good thing. You're going to challenge yourself less and try less. And eventually it'll turn into having motivation for not much. And so the the challenge though is, so we've had these conversations Mm -hmm. and I've had conversations with, you know, and a, a couple of people in particular, but they don't view themselves as pessimistic. They view, view themselves. I've never heard of a pessimist view themselves as a pessimist. Yeah, right. It's always I'm a realist. Like you're sure. the one that's just an eternal optimist. When I kind of think I'm more the realist mm-hmm. and maybe a little more on the optimistic side, mm-hmm. but still in that uh, paradigm of of yeah. the whole you know thing. I think how to recognize it is again, it's. Did you, was your initial reaction to, I want this thing, you want it. And then did you talk yourself down from wanting it and say, oh, well, it's just not realistic. Mm -hmm. When your initial instinct and reaction was, I could do it. Mm -hmm. I see a lot more on social media. (laughs) Worry about some of my friends, some Mm -hmm. of the, you know. And so, uh, so we started actually a little like running club when the kids have practice in the evening, like come and walk with like. I feel like with the pandemic, everybody was closed in. So we're outside. Let's talk. Let's be together. Mm-hmm. Let's get some exercise in, maybe in the sun and this heat. Right. <laughs> and then have, you know, have a lot water after, Joe. Sorry, you huh. don't want to probably would join us. Uh, but to see that, but to, <laughs> to kind of help maybe get them out of it. And then hopefully they'll do the same for me if I ever, you know, right. start seeing things in that way. Because with all the news headlines, like it's hard sometimes to, you know, get out of that. Yeah, I think too, you know like check yourself but like you're saying go to a friend hey you know I'm really down on myself I don't think that it's worth it to do these things I want to talk to you somebody you trust who you know is going to support you maybe they can get you out of that pessimistic mindset into a more realistic mindset or they'll confirm yeah no I think not attainable for you but but we're not worth it not worth the effort that's really what this is about Mm -hmm. is it worth the effort to build up that motivation to go and get it yeah. I think talking to people that you trust who know your abilities just as well as you do as well, it can be really helpful. 
we had a friend, she said, I don't have any tennis shoes to go walking. Um, I have work, you know, whatever. And I said, I'm going to meet you. We're going to pack your clothes. <laughs> We're going to do that, you know, kind of yeah. thing. And so we did it. And so now she does it. And she's like, come on, let's yeah. go. And so um, and I was great. like, okay, so now you do that for me. <laughs> no, it's true. <laughs> flip, flip the script and help me out too. Um, but it was right. It was like just trying to get yeah. there and, and get it done. We need help. And yeah. whenever and whenever you're in that, you know, down in the dumps, nothing's going to go right. It's There's a million and one excuses to not do something. Yeah. But you really just need one excuse to get up and go. Yeah. And so I'm going to be your pest. Let's do this. Too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it works. Well, that's good. All right. You have a topic you want Sarah to cover? Email us info at thegiftedlife.org. It's that time on the Gifted Life podcast where we have our question and answer segment. And Laurie, this question goes to you. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so how do I find out about donating a kidney to someone? Okay, this makes me happy. We are getting lots of people paying attention, wanting to do the research, just like our guest did, Mark Scotch, and then do something more. Like we ask people to go out and do something they wouldn't normally do. So they're they're wanting to find out more about this. The good thing is we have this resource, the Gifted Life Podcast. So we've actually interviewed people who've gone through the steps. So all you have to do is go to the Gifted Life dot org and then all you have to do is search for living donation and those will pop up so you can hear people that went through the journey just like mark scotch did on this particular episode also lopa.org you know have to push that yep. out there lopa.org slash living donation um, you can find information and details there and at your own pace and in your own comfort zone and then that voucher program that we talked about in this episode um, and we talked about before in the gifted life a, a great program it's the national kidney donation organization so nkdo.org nkdo.org um, and just to say there are resources out there there are more resources out there more people are turning to this more people are wanting Wanting to do something selfless like this, which is amazing. So I'm glad that you're starting to look in that direction. Those are some of the resources. Um, and again, check out our The Gifted Life podcast library. All right. If you guys have a question for us, give us a call. 504-648-3477. In every episode of The Gifted Life, we honor a hero. Today's hero is Rochelle Leger. And her family tells us she was a daughter, sister, mother, nana, and nanny. Always willing to give and always willing to help others. We thank Rochelle for saving and helping others. And now we pause and say thank you to Rochelle for the gift of life. This is the Gifted Life Podcast, and that was episode 169. Very special thanks to Hugh, Mr. Hugh, Mark, and Lynn uh, for coming in and sharing their next, basically that, that the next chapter in their journey of friendship that they've had. Yeah. And uh, well, he is so fun to talk to with <sighs> you. And then Mark and Lynn are such wonderful people. I yes. Mean, oh, my goodness. At the party in Natchitoches, my favorite part was that Hugh's family, like, cousins mom and dad like everybody came mm -hmm. from Natchitoches and they said we're gonna take a family picture and so everybody you know scooted back myself Mark Lynn and mom says Mark Lynn you're part of the family get in here <laughs> and so they ran and that was so oh, sweet yeah. so they are one big family but like I said it impacts the whole mm -hmm. family the whole community and it's so special to watch it does and, and I just want to clarify just for the listeners out there you know we talked a lot about the voucher 
uh, program. And I know in our last uh, podcast with them on, we talked a little bit more about Hugh's side of, of that voucher program. And just to reiterate that mm-hmm. part, because Mark took part in the voucher program there, of mm-hmm. course, at University of Wisconsin, he was able to then pass his voucher, so to speak, mm-hmm. to Mr. Hugh. So then that voucher was able to put Hugh at the top of the list for the next suitable kidney that came that was available. And so that's why, you know, of course, Mark didn't directly donate to Hugh, but indirectly he, he truly did. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. He said he's his forever family. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and how do you say thank you for something like that? And, and um, so Mark just tells Hugh, live your best life. And, you know, our buddy Hugh, he's going to do that. Mm-hmm. So we love that. Um, thanks for listening, guys. And the best place to find us is at our website, which is thegiftedlife.org. You can listen to any of our episodes on our website or wherever you like to listen, whether it's Google, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. If you do listen on Apple, rate, review, and subscribe so that others can find our podcast. If you're not a registered donor, you can do so anytime, registerme.org. If you're scrolling through Facebook, check out the Gifted Life Podcast. Follow us there. Uh, Twitter and Instagram, we're at Gifted Life Pod. We hope that you go out and do something you wouldn't normally do to help us make life happen. We're one big team. This is a production of LOPA, or the Louisiana Organ Procurement Agency. The Gifted Life is hosted by Lori Steele, Joey Boudreau, and Sarah Blakemore. Our executive producer is Kirsten Hines. Producer is Shalon Caraway. Intern is Rebecca Ranham. And we are recorded, engineered, and mixed in our Covington, Louisiana studio by Troy Perez. <laughs>